we got a lot of things going on in the garden. Man, we got we start a new crop. We're finishing up our old crop. We're still preserving just a little bit, but we're kind of in that transition time. We've been doing a lot of pickling, mm -hmm. fermentation. Yeah. Yep. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Row by Row Garden Show, where you'll find the best tips and tricks for successfully growing your own food. Hey, everybody. I'm Greg. I'm Sheila. And man, we got it going on. So this is the time of the year for us. It's a little bit of a transition period. We're in zone eight and we're kind of going from finishing that spring crop into our fall crop, but we still got plenty of cover crops and flowers growing. But we're going to talk about some things that we've got going on right now as far as preserving the harvest. And also we're going to dig into corn fall planting. About that. Sounds good. That's good stuff, ain't mm -hmm. it? But first of all, let's talk about garden updates. Dwarf sunflowers we got going on. When do you think they'll be ready to plant? Oh, if I fertilize them again, shoot, probably a week, 10 days. Okay. And then we got these butter beans that y'all heard me talk about. And these are an heirloom butter bean out of Alabama that we have harvested. You don't know how to shell them. I do know how no, to shell them. No, you don't. You just pop them. Kind you think you've done this a few more times than yeah. I have? Okay. Now they look green. But they'll actually spot up as a spotted. And they have the dark brown broth. Mm -hmm. um, I canned some of these um, a couple weeks ago. First time I've canned them by themselves, and they turned out really pretty. Yeah, it turns out to be a really good variety. Not all varieties that we try will make it, so I'm excited about this one right here. Where'd you get seed? over in middle Alabama from a family over there. A guy over there gave them to me, they come from a family. But anyway, we was at Pedals to the Past and he gave me some, I was like blown away. I love people give me unique old heirloom seeds. So we trial these out, they have done really good. So we're trying to grow out a seed crop. Keep your fingers crossed, everything goes well. Everything looks good so far. Mm -hmm. So now there'd be limited supply next year, but maybe we'll have some we can offer everybody next year. Uh, what else we got going on? Man, I planted another plant of okra called Root Knot Nematodes, took out my first one. So we got mm -hmm. second succession planting on that. I got zinnias coming along. Sweet potatoes are growing like crazy. We just been out of town for a few days. Get back, sweet potatoes look really good. Mm -hmm. We've been getting rain yeah. here like crazy. So everything is wet. Now, it's starting to get in that time of year that it's not real cosmetically appealing. Pretty, yeah is when we do clean up. Like the tomatoes are looking real rough out there. They need to be cleaned up. So we're in the process of doing all that to get everything started back again. Yeah, speaking of tomatoes, we still have a lot of green tomatoes. So a friend of mine and I did some dill pickle green tomatoes. You can try later on. Yep. And then I also found this recipe on um, YouTube where this is just the green tomatoes and citric acid, and you do have to can this, or the, that you just water bath. Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to be, you take them out and you fry them like a green tomato. Mm -hmm. So in the wintertime, you could have mm -hmm. fried green tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Ain't that awesome? You can have fried green tomatoes year round. Yeah. We haven't done that, but we're excited yeah. about it. And the lady that, and I'll put the link below that did this, she also took them out and actually fried them and she said they were good. So mm -hmm. we may have to try that next week. So what happened was we had, and you probably have this too, we had a top crop tomatoes come on 
and we gather those green tomatoes and that's what you made some of this out of. So if you have those top crops that you figured out what to do with. We had a lot of water, a lot of rain coming. A lot of insect pressure. We needed to do something with them. So that's what we did. Turned out pretty good. I got Jimmy Red corn. It's curing out there. I need some dry weather on it. Trying to cure it out so we can make some red cornmeal and grits. Figs are starting to come in. Ooh. I'm excited about that because I make my entrance into the fig orchard every afternoon and make my rounds checking for ripe figs and I just stand out there and graze a while. Mm -hmm. yep. Sometimes that's your dinner. That's my thing. So we just got back from Ohio. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So we made a trip to Ohio last weekend and uh, for about four days and we was able to visit some customers. And our grandkids. And our grandkids. But we had a cultivate show in Columbus, Ohio. So we spent Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night in Columbus at the show, which was awesome. But first of all, let's talk about Saturday. We was, no, excuse me, let's talk about Friday morning. Friday morning. On the way up. Yeah. So we got to visit the Stivers Homestead in, in Lower Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was awesome. It wasn't too far out of our way, and we messaged them, told them we was in the area, and they said, heck yeah, come on by. Yeah, we did give them a night's notice. Yeah, so we uh, we spent a couple hours there with those guys. And what you see on YouTube is what you, is get. What you get. They're just our kind of folks. Good yeah. people. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and we've been around a lot of them. They are some really good YouTubers out there, but there are some of them out there that are not exactly what they are on camera in person. I'm not calling any names, but they're out there, okay? But these stivers are exactly what you see on okay? camera. Super nice people, just our kind of folks. Gardens were yeah, pretty. So we got to meet Zach's mother, and we got to meet the kids. So everything was good. We'd met the kids before, but uh, just sweet kids. I mean, just adorable. So we enjoyed that couple of hours there with mm -hmm. those. Then we eased on up, and Saturday afternoon we was able to... Saturday morning. Well, it was around lunch. Yeah, I guess so. We was able to visit Adam's Greenhouse in uh, Ohio. There with Kenny and Connie, and then we was went too much further over and, and visited the Smiths. And Kenny wasn't at home. Kenny wasn't there. We surprised him. Yeah, Kenny we just walked in. We did not let them know. Yeah, and this is around Trip, Ohio, somewhere up there. It's close by. Troy. Troy. Was it Troy? 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 Mm -hmm. You sure? I'm positive. Okay. Anyway, we was able to visit those. We went over and visited some with Mike and uh, him and his wife. And seeing some things there, uh, we try. We seen what some of our varieties was doing up in Ohio, which is very interesting. See how they responded up in that area. And I seen a couple of new things. I can't talk about one of them, uh, but yeah. one of them was off the chain that we're going to add to our seed list next year. And we would not have known this had we not have visited them. Mike. Mike. But they, yeah. we, they were growing something there that, that I had seen before. But it's one of those things that I didn't realize how well it was till I tasted it in person. So. Mm -hmm. Fresh out of the garden. Fresh out of the garden. So we'll throw up some pictures of Mike mm -hmm. and the Stivers and mm -hmm. Adam's greenhouse. Yep. And we hope to have a little video later on about our visit there. Yep. Uh, you never know when we might pop in on you. <laughs> they didn't know. We just popped in. <laughs> Thankfully, they were gracious hosts. And, yeah. They All were, right. They were surprised. They were surprised. We want to touch in on two different things. We'll talk about fall corn plant because that's coming up. There's some things you may need to know on that. And also, we're going at the later in the show, we're going to work over some uh, some recipes there that you can use for your preserving or harvesting. Tomatillos. Mm -hmm. Tomatillos. Jalapenos and onions yep. and garlic. Planting fall corn. All right. 
So if you've not planted fall corn before, or if you've planted uh, corn a lot in your life, and you're fairly a new gardener, and you've not grown a lot of corn, fall corn can work really good into your rotation. Not only does it give you a crop coming off in the fall of the year, which we don't have a lot of things coming off maybe in October, but it also works really good for rotation. You hear us preach rotation, rotation, rotation. Corn is a monocot, and it's not in the same family as most of the other things that we grow. And that's the reason that you see a lot of corn grown on agricultural land is because it works really good for rotation. Sometimes it may not be the biggest moneymaker for the farmer, but they grow it simply for the rotation part of it. It helps cleanse the soil a little bit, get some of those diseases out of there, and it also works well in the garden. So my point is, even if you're kind of on the fence about planting a fall corn crop, it's probably worthwhile doing simply for the rotation of your garden. Now, you don't want to plant corn where corn was at. You want to come behind with whatever you got. Maybe it's tomatoes, maybe it's cucumbers, squash, pumpkins, uh, tomatoes, peppers, any of those things like that. Corn is ideal to come behind that right there. Now, think about this right here. Go ahead and think ahead a little bit. All right, I'm gonna plant corn now where my tomatoes or beans or pumpkins was. What am I gonna plant after that? Because that's a good one right there. Corn is a good to clean up the soil a little bit. So think about what if you had your corn coming off in October, that'd be a perfect time to come back there and maybe plant some brassicas. That would work a great rotation. Kind of think ahead there and think about what you may want to plant in October and you can work corn in that. Now, if you've not grown a lot of corn in your time and you're a fairly new one, I would recommend planting uh, one of the older varieties and I'll talk about some of those. Silver, Silver King, which we've grown a lot of over the years. Silver Queen. Silver, I meant Silver Queen, excuse me. Silver Queen. Silver, yeah, Silver Queen is one I want to talk about. I got my notes messed up here. <laughs> Silver Queen, which is one we've grown probably more than any other corn. It's one you mm -hmm. was raised on. Yeah. That one stoles. That was the only corn. That, that was the only corn. corn. Yeah. Stoles Evergreen White, which is, I think, the only true heirloom that we carry. I'm going to tell you why you wouldn't want to plant it. And then you got G90, which is a good bicolor one. And then you got Sugar Buns, which is a new variety for us that is a straight yellow one. Now, Silver Queen is a white corn, white sweet corn, and it is 75 days to maturity. So if you've not grown corn before, that would be a good one. It's more forgiving than some of the rest of the sweet corns out there. And plus it's got that 75 day maturity that's going to work good for a fall planting. You don't necessarily want one that's going to be a long maturing corn because we have something called degree days with corn. It's kind of like heat units is with roselle and things like that and okra. But we have to have a certain amount of degree days for your corn to work out. And if you get some of these longer maturing varieties, such as Stoll's Evergreen White, which is heirloom, which is 95 days maturity, you're going to have problems getting it off in the fall of the year. So I would recommend planting the Silver Queen if you're not quite sure yourself or you've not been growing corn for a long period of time. It's more forgiving on fertility. It's more forgiving on a lot of different things. And it's actually a decent corn. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if you are, uh, well, let's go back a bit. So if you want a white one, I would recommend Silver Queen. If you want a yellow corn, Sugar Bones is going to work well because both of those are 75 days of maturity. 
You don't want the stoil evergreens, which is 95 days. Now, G90, although it's a good one, it's a bicolor, is going to be 85 days mature. Mm -hmm. There again, on those degree days, it's going to stretch out a little bit. And that's not saying those varieties are not wonderful in the springtime. They are. I just don't think they're going to work out that well in the fall part of the year because of the days to maturity. So the zones 9 and 10 might get by with it, but not the other. Yeah, especially if they plant them early enough. But I think... To be on the safe side, I think some of these shorter maturing varieties is going to be the best bet. Okay. So for white corn, silver queen, for a yellow corn, sugar buns, if you want to play it safe. Now, if you've been growing corn for a while and you feel fairly comfortable about your corn growing abilities, then I think you could go to some newer, some newer varieties. Now, there's one called Ambrosia that is a bicolor mm -hmm. that I have had a good good luck with in the past growing in the fall of here and that's the one i'm gonna plant so i like uh, ambrosia it is what we call a sugar enhance or an se and it can store up to 10 days which you're going to get that benefit out of that one that you don't get out of the silver queen or the sugar buns it's going to have a longer shelf life 75 days maturity so it's the same as those others so i'm going to pick with that if, if you feel comfortable growing corn and you're good at it i think you can pick any of the super sweets and be fine with them Okay. But you're going to have to really pay attention to your fertility and your water to make sure they pop well for you. All right, so let's talk about when to plant. All right, zone seven. Not you guys. August 1st. Yep, August 1st. And the reason is if 75 days of maturity, if you plant August 1st, that's going to give you August, September, and you're going to be coming off the middle of October. Now, you don't have your frost date until the November. We get that. So you got a little bit of a window there, but we need that window Heat. for those degree days to kind of insurance policy right there. Now, if you have a warm, warm fall, it can change things up a little bit. Or if you have a cooler fall, it can change up a little bit. But we're putting ourselves some insurance days in there at the end. Zone 8, which is what we are, July 15th to August 15th. And I would rather be around August 1st. That's where I'm going to plant mine. I'm going to go in the middle of that right there. That'll again throw us off about the middle of October. You know, it can be warm here in October. Mm -hmm. Okay, zone nine. You guys can plant any time in the month of August and be fine. And zone 10, you guys don't even have a freeze. So y'all can plant pretty much late in the, um, in the fall and get by with it. All right. Uh, if you had, if you could do a perfect world, the best crop to follow Planting your fall corn is going to be beans and peas because they're legumes and nitrogen is already fixed in your soil there and it's working back up through the nutrient cycle there and you plant that corn which is a nitrogen loving plant would be ideal. Mm -hmm. If you have that opportunity to do a rotation perfectly, follow that peas and beans up with a fall mm -hmm. sweet corn plant and that way you're going to keep that nutrient cycle rotating around and then when your corn goes out, Plant some brassica or something there to, to keep it up. Pollination. This is always a sticky yeah. one. Yeah. Can I plant two rows? Yeah. Uh, plant. I like, I'd like to say plant at least five rows. I normally plant a little bit more now. I plant six to seven rows in a little small plot. Don't seem to have any problem. I like to say plant at least five rows in a block there, and you can shorten your block up but get you at least five rows there because corn is pollinated by the wind, we know, and not by insects. So we need that good pollination to make good corn. Sweet corn 
how much seed do you need? All right, I got a little chart here, and I got this off Hoss University, so if you miss what I'm telling you, you always go to our sweet corn growing guide in Hoss University and check it out. Okay, six inch spacing in a row it could be perfect for sweet corn. That's what I would, I mean, that's what you're shooting after. You don't always get that, but that's what you're after, the six inch spacing. And I like to plant my corn 36 or 30 inches apart. Okay, based on a six inch seed spacing and a 36 row spacing, you want 25 seeds per 10 foot of row. That gives you five extra seeds in case you mess up. If you're doing a 10 by 10 plot and you're planting them 36 inches apart, that gives you three rows, you're gonna need 75 seeds. And that gives you a few extra ones there too. All right, if you're planting a thousand square feet, you're going to need roughly 750 seeds. Some of these seeds are sold by the thousand, so that kind of gives you an idea of seed, how much you would need to purchase. And if you're planting an acre of it, you're looking around 32,000 seeds per acre. Wow. Yeah. Uh, planting depth, a lot of people recommend inch, and we have that on our horse growing guide. If you got it on drip tape, which I will have mine on, you can actually get by a little bit shallower than that, but anywhere from a half inch to an inch is ideal. You plant it right on top of the drip tape. I do. I plant it right on top of the drip with tape. With the cedar. Yep. Fertilization, let's don't forget that because that's an important thing with corn. We want five to eight units of nitrogen per thousand square feet. An example of that, if you had a thousand square feet of corn planted and you plant on three foot rows, you would need 50 to 75 pounds of 10, 10, 10. I'm talking about throughout the growing season. Now I would apply that, I would split it up and put that into two, anywhere to four applications, splitting it up. You're gonna need 50 to 75 pounds of 10, 10, 10 for that thousand square feet of corn over its life. And normally you wanna get it all out by the time it's hip high and utilize all that up. Corn loves phosphorus. So if you got soils that are heavy in phosphorus, corn's an ideal crop to clean that up by. And uh, insect control, the biggest thing we battle here is corn earworms, but I can tell you this right here, the fall crop is gonna be a lot heavier pressure on your fall earworm than you did in the springtime. So stay under a spraying program there. Spinosad Garden Insect Spray and Bug Buster 2. Both of those are good products for that. You want to spread over the top and let it kind of settle in. If you see something eating on your leaves early on, get on top of it with some Bug Buster too, or spin a sand early on, get them under control. All right. And we have a great lot more information on our house, University okay. Corn Growing Guide. So mm -hmm. that gets you all excited about growing some fall corn. I'm going to get my ambrosia planted August 1st. August 1st. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks. Yep. Where are you planting it? Ah, that's good. You asked that. I'm planting them behind sunflowers. Oh. So think about this right here. Here we go with my nutrient cycle. My sunflowers are scavenging, pulling those nutrients back to the top of the soil there, and I plant my corn behind that. It's going to be ideal. Using rotation to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. All right. Ready to move on? I'm ready to move on, girl. All right. So we've had a lot of peppers in our garden. I've frozen peppers. I've dehydrated peppers. I used them in salsa, in spaghetti sauce, I even canned some peppers. Today we're going to do a little fermenting recipe with some peppers and some tomatillos. Tom I have trouble with that word, but I've uh, under some good coaching that like I got in I'm going to let you handle this because I've washed my hands. Tomatillo. But show them that tomatillo. Yep. So you want to find the tomatillo. It's in a husk and you need to peel it. 
and you want them to be green, not yellow, and you don't want the husk to be brown. You want both of it green. Looks and, like a little green tomato. Okay, this is not a green tomato. Has but it, it looks like It does look like them, so don't go use green tomatoes for this. Um, but it has a unique flavor. You actually tasted of it last I night. I did, I did. Now the peppers we're going to use is the jalapeno peppers. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're looking for peppers, you want a pepper that is not shriveled up mm -hmm. or mushy. You want it to be very hydrated. No bad spots. Mm -hmm. You don't want it to be shriveled. Right. Shriveled. Shriveled. You don't want it to be dry. You want it to be moist. Mm -hmm. Garlic. And we got some lemon here. Garlic. Is that a lemon or a lime? I mean a lime. That's a lime. Yeah. You want to use a, the juice of one lime and some lime zest. Mm -hmm. And then we've got some cilantro. So let's talk about fermentation. Why do you want to ferment versus anything else? Do you know? Okay, it's a good way to preserve food. You don't need any electricity. Mm -hmm. No fancy equipment. Mm -hmm. um, and probably for the equipment standpoint, you probably need the least amount of ferment than you do anything else, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you can do it in small batches, big batches. Um, it preserves the flavor. Actually, with fermenting vitamin, I think it's B and C, actually increases as it ferments. So it's, you know, it's a probiotic. It's very healthy for you. It's an easy snack to pull out of the fridge, put on the I mean, table with dinner. Right. Um, so basically what fermentation is, is every vegetable has microorganisms on it. You've got the good and the bad. So we want to take those good by submersing them in a brine solution. And then that lacto acid bacteria ferments. It's the same as sauerkraut, right? Mm -hmm. Same okay. as sauerkraut. So um, you're taking that good bacteria, allowing it to ferment, keeping it under that brine, keeps the oxygen away, and the lactoacid bacteria does not need oxygen. Hmm. And it keeps the good there and the bad gone. Um, you want to do it between 55 and 75 degrees, so have a constant temperature wherever you set this at to ferment. You don't want fluctuations. Uh, no, we don't have basements, but a basement would be an ideal yeah. area for that. Yeah, or just your kitchen counter over on the side, no direct sunlight. As long as you keep it below 75, you said? 55, no, above 55, but not over 75. Okay, yeah, yeah, we keep our house about 72. Okay, the brine, now today we're not actually doing a brine, we're gonna add salt and it's gonna make its own brine like sauerkraut does. But the brine solution is usually with most vegetables 2% to 5%. If it's less than 2%, it may not ferment. If it's over 5%, it's going to stop. So you, and there's all kind of tables out there on how to do your brine solution, how much salt you need to water ratio. And measuring your salt is very, very important. Very important. Very important. I can tell you, folks, I've made major boo boos by being a man like me and R and just doing this right here, but measuring that salt is probably one of the most yeah. important things when you do this kind of stuff. And the type of vegetable also, um, the salt is going to be different on the type of vegetable. Like a cucumber has a lot of water in it, mm -hmm. whereas cabbage has less water. So mm -hmm. it's going to depend on what you're doing as to how much salt you use. So very important to go buy a recipe and measure it out. Yeah. The equipment you need, you need a fermentation vessel. Um, and I like to use the jars. I use pint, quart, and half gallon. 
You can get fancy with the crocs and the big um, food grade buckets. But if you're just starting out, just find you a quart jar. And the good thing about this is if you do make a boo-boo and it don't turn out, you can waste a lot. Until right. you get your recipe nailed down, start with these small batches. Um, I use grape leaves to kind of make a barrier between the fermentation and the vegetables. You'll need a weight because you need to keep the vegetables under the brine. Submerged. Submerged. And then you'll need an airlock. Now, I'm using these uh, lids that we sell, but you can use a band and a lid like on most of the vegetables. That doesn't have a band on it. Um, I'm using some airlocks that we sell, but you can just use the band and the lid and not tighten it all the way. So you don't need a bunch of fancy equipment. The main thing is just give it a try. Just do it. Yep. Um, now, the, all the ingredients for this recipe is going to be linked down below. So if you miss something... We'll have it down below. So I took my Tommy Tio's and... I was really actually surprised what these taste like just by themselves. Um, let me get my... I think this is 12 ounces, but like I said, I'm gonna put it below. Oh, and the book that I use is this here, Fermented Vegetables. It goes in detail, step-by-step, step, the history of fermenting, it's got all kind of recipes in it. It's just really great reference. Yeah, you can get that on Amazon. Um, I'll put my glasses on. So you start off with 12 ounces of tomatillos. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure all your equipment is clean. And then three medium jalapenos. I lost my spatula here somewhere. Can you read that? Yeah, I think I can. I ain't got my glasses here. Yep, three medium jalapenos, three garlic cloves. Okay. That you've already got diced up. And uh, one cup fresh cilantro. Maybe a little less than a cup. Half, half a teaspoon ground coriander. Okay. All right, now I do have the coriander and I also added some cumin that's not on the recipe uh -huh. and then two teaspoons of salt and you put that all together mm -hmm. okay and then we need one medium lime already juiced out got that here and I've got some zest in there okay, okay. and it says combine it all Add sea salt in a fruit. Did you miss the onion or did I miss the onion? Uh, I think, oh, is that the onion? Yeah, I did I miss the onion. Excuse me. A medium onion. Diced up. Mm -hmm. okay. Now you can just take this and put it all in your food processor and get it to the consistency that you need. All right. So it's going to take me a minute here to mix all this up. Okay, while well you mixing that up, I'm going to go into our complete fermentation kit. All right. So we're going to dive into what all is in our complete fermentation kit. This is a Mason Top brand. We sell lots of these. And they're not very expensive. So, ah, let me turn this around right here. I highly recommend these right here. This is a pretty good quality outfit right here. And inside your Mason Top kit, you get four of these pickle pops. 
Now these fit inside of the band right here. You get four of these right here. And this thing's got an airlock in there. So it will let the air out, but it will not let it in. And this is the way you would use those right there. Put it in like that. And that lets that air escape, but doesn't let the bad air get back in to contaminate. The it's, dust, the bugs. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. A, an airlock works if you've seen anybody make wine. They do it the same way. But it's like that really. This stuff's made out of silicone here, and it's easy to clean up. And then you use that band right there, which is a type of plastic, which is very easy to clean up too. All right. And you get four of these, four pickle pipes, and you get four of these weights right here. And this is the pickle peppers, pebbles, excuse me. And these go on there, and this is what she was talking about. It weights it down in the jar. These are for regular size jars, I do believe. Isn't that right? Or is that uh, a wide mouth? No, it's a wide mouth. Okay, so you get everything are, in here is for wide mouth. Everything in there is for wide mouth, which is good because we find people like the wide mouth when they do the regular. So you got four of these that you can do four jars at a time. Then you get the pickle packer. And this works good because you've got wide mouth on one end and you got regular mouth on the other end. It's made out of a nice wood there. So you can pack everything down in there so it comes up, the liquid comes up over it. Then you would use your weight on top of that. You just get one of these, by the way. And this is a step-by-step -step instruction guide. Yep. And how many do these do we get? Four. Four of these. You Actually, uh, but in this kit, we sell those separately. In this kit, you get the metal bands. Oh, the metal bands mm -hmm. in there? Okay. We sell these separately right here. And also, we sell the ones that are complete right here. We sell those extra too. So these right here, I like them because they don't rust. Mm -hmm. They're easy to clean. They have a little silicone gasket inside there. These are really neat right there. And you can buy the weight separate and the pickle. Yeah, we pipe sell all separate. these components separate, but buying the kit there, that's the way to go. All right. So once you get it all mixed up, you want to add it to your pint jar here. And you can actually eat this fresh. What do you call this again? This is fermented salsa verde or tomatillo salsa. Tomatillo salsa. It's a pretty simple salsa recipe. Mm hmm You wanna try it? I do. Want some meat skins? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm using grape leaves just as a barrier to keep all that down. You can use cheesecloth if you don't have any grape leaves. It's a hot. It's a little, I can see where it calming down just a little bit after a few days. Then you're gonna put your weight on The next. lime's a little strong there. Is it? And then your pickle pipe and your lid. And you're gonna let this sit for three to five days and you're gonna taste it. You're gonna check it every couple days for any scum or mold. You shouldn't have any, but sometimes you do. And you wanna place it in a plate because sometimes it might boil over. Isn't that pretty? We'll taste it next week. Yep, put it out of direct sunlight. Out of direct sunlight. Yep, salsa verde recipe. Or to tomatillos. Tomatillos. Salsa. Yep. So just a safety checklist. Clean all your surfaces. Make sure everything's clean. Rinse your vegetables in cool water. No soap or cleaning agents. Keep everything below the brine. Keep the temperature constant where you're going to set it. Well, now, would you use this on that? Yeah, I did. Okay. You missed it. I did. I was in the middle of the house. <laughs>
um, store in the fridge after you reach your ideal fermentation or the flavor you like. And mm. if it looks bad, smells bad, don't eat it. Mm. Chuck it. Chuck it. Start anew. Don't give up. I mean, uh, failure is part of this process right here. Believe you me, we've made a few failures in a time. And the biggest thing I've learned is follow the instructions. Because every time that I veer off from that a little bit mm -hmm. is where my failure comes in at. Trying to take a shortcut. Salt is very important. Yep. Did it taste salty enough? It did taste salty enough, but I can tell it needs to mellow a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, you can eat it's it. It's going to take a, on a totally different flavor. Well, I think so. Else. Yeah, and I can, I can see that. Okay. All right. The old goat. Old goat's back. Somewhere old on goat's the set. Back. If you're not familiar with what the old goat is, it's a figurine that's hidden on the set somewhere. And if you find the old goat in the set somewhere, put in the comments where the, where you found the old goat. And we will do a drawing next week and find out if you were chosen, if you was, send your information, shipping information, to cussservhallstools.com and we send you a coveted prize. Okay. More like that, some Hoss merchandise. You want me to do the drawing? Mm-hmm, do the drawing. Oh, we got more than one. And we have Tony. You spell it Janator? Janator. I always get a name I can't pronounce. Janator. Yeah, Tony. Tony G. Tony G. I'm going to put it right here. <laughs> Tony, send us your. Can you get that right? Can you get that right? Good. Yeah. All right. Tony, send us your address and we'll get you a prize tonight. And thank you for watching our show and picking out the old yeah. goat. And let us know what your favorite fermentation recipes are. Mm -hmm. Let us know what corn you're going to plant for fall. Yep. If you have any questions, send them to us. Hossinator Contest. Hossinator Contest is going strong. It's going to wind up sometime in August. we got a lot of good, a lot of good prize, I mean, uh, weights out there. Well, well over a pound. So if you still got some Hossinators going, make sure you send us a picture on the scale of what it weighs with the Hossinator pack. And you could be in line to win a hundred dollar gift certificate from house tools if you're the winner of the biggest or the heaviest house letter mm -hmm. yep corny right. joke oh, you no. got a corny joke okay why do you not tell secrets in the corn patch because the corn has ears ah. <laughs> i think you might have heard that one before. i may have heard that one before that's pretty good one day yeah all right folks thank you for watching maybe we uh inspired you a little bit to make you some salsa or to plant that fall corn crop. I think you'll be amazed and happy that you did. It's gonna work well for your rotation there. Now it's time for you, uh-oh, to get off that couch and do something, all right? <laughs> See you later.